The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Joining us today is Garth de Klerk from the South African Insurance Crime Bureau. Garth, welcome to the show. Chad, thanks thanks very much for having me. Good afternoon. Garth, before we get started and before we look at what the Insurance Crime Bureau has done, I think it would be apt for some of our listeners that haven't heard any of the interviews previously with the Insurance Crime Bureau just to get a little bit of a an overall understanding of what it is that the Insurance Crime Bureau does in South Africa. Thanks very much, Chad. So very simply, the Insurance Crime Bureau established in 2008 as the central information and data sharing hub of the insurance industry. Our role is to work for insurance members within both the life and the non-life spaces to assist them to mitigate risk, mitigate fraud risk, take on the criminals that are really perpetrating crime within the insurance industry and also in the financial services sector. So we work for about 34 insurance members, and our job is to detect and deter syndicated insurance fraud within the industry. What I see amazing in terms of this report is the is the savings that the Insurance Crime Bureau have been able to create as a result of the liaison that they've created with state law enforcement, private law enforcement, and most importantly, the partnership with the, the different insurance companies. If I may read this, it's, it's, it's incredible figures. The, the, the Insurance Crime Bureau has saved in respect of funds or in respect of vehicles that are recovered or in other instances, it has saved member companies, so those are insurance companies, 1.1 billion rand. For non-members, it has saved an amount of 259 million rand. For the uninsured public, where they've helped with the recovery of vehicles from the pound, um, vehicles for uninsured individuals, clone vehicles, a massive 325 million rand, and in total has saved 1.7 billion rand in the industry. Now, those are phenomenal figures. To what do you attribute this? Chad, it's all about community effort and, and coordinated work where we are working with law enforcement partners, we're working with other stakeholders, and the insurance industry is really funding an organization who is able to return to South Africa. You know, we, we are really about how do we make South Africa a better place for the average public to live in. And those returns to the uninsured public, for example, is a side return that the insurance industry is giving back to the population and the environment in, in which it does business. But it's, it's collaboration, it's community efforts. We know the industry, when it comes to insurance, has been short-term and long-term, the one being related to insurance of actual tangible products and the other obviously being the insurance of a person, their retirement annuities, death policies, that type of thing. But I see you refer to non-life and life operations. Can you break down to us what is a non-life operation within the ICB and what is a life operation within the ICB? Thanks, Chad. So those are the technical definitions of the short-term industry being non-life and the funeral and life being the life operations. So anything that's non-life is your typical uh, home insurance, your vehicle insurance, your assets insurance, and then life is your life funeral policies, 
uh, your your life policies themselves, and then you get into some of the more financially structured type of products. We're going to take a break shortly. Before we get there, I just want to remind our listeners that the GIFM helpline has helped many, many people, and now the GIFM helpline is appealing to you. Due to the sheer volume of calls on the helpline, the helpline is in need of additional qualified counselors. If you're a qualified social worker or psychologist and you'd like to volunteer at the helpline, please email helpline at highfm.com. If, however, you're in need of mental or emotional support, please do call the HIFM helpline at 0800 242436. This is something that's very close to my heart. It's a project that's been going on for quite some time now. It's a 24-hour project. It's seven days a week, 365 days a year, and open to absolutely everybody, no matter where they come from. And remember, it's 100% confidential. We chatted to Garth Clerk about the Insurance Crime Bureau and their latest annual report. We'll be back straight after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. I'm chatting to Garth Clerk, who is the CEO of the Insurance Crime Bureau, and I've been reading through their very fascinating annual report, which is available to the public on the SAICB um, social networks, as well as via their website. And it's very interesting when one reads it, because when, when, when one reads about the investigations hub, you will realize that the Insurance Crime Bureau has taken the expertise from both the private and public sector and created projects. And these projects have done so much in respect of, of success. And I love the names. You've got Project Mags, Project Misfits, Project Nemesis, all part of the, the non-life operations. Tell us a little bit more about the structure of your investigation team and these projects and how these projects came about, Doc. So firstly, to start off with, the team is probably all ex-law enforcement. Uh, we, we have many ex-law enforcement in the, in the environment. Uh, we also bring in a lot of corporate skills and, and corporate knowledge, and we try and combine those two in a way that we can bridge the gap between the legal systems and, and the corporate need that we see in South Africa. Typically, what we will do, Chad, is we will utilize really large data sources, uh, quite a lot of, of, of different information sets to identify a syndicate's activities in South Africa, whether it's going cross-border, whether it's operating locally, whether it's short-term, whether it's murders. We use these data sets to identify the syndicate, and then our guys will work as project managers bringing together corporate skill sets and law enforcement skill sets with the end goal of eliminating the crime from the environment in which we live and in which we do business. So there's a lot of moving parts, and it really, again, just it's bringing together central intelligence to really make a difference. Tell us a little bit more about how it is that these investigations that one would expect to be be conducted on a regular basis by law enforcement have now culminated in an organization such as yourself taking the lead and what the reaction from state law enforcement has been like. Because I notice a lot of the work done, especially at the pounds, the investigation of stolen vehicles, cloned vehicles, vehicles that have no identification, etc., could not have done, and this is just an assumption on my part, without the cooperation of state law enforcement. 100% Chad, we cannot do anything without the cooperation and the partnership of our law enforcement partners. And it's really, you know, when we walk into a room, we are there to lend a hand. Whether it's in a corporate environment or a law enforcement environment, we are there 
to see how we can assist. And law enforcement is very open to our assistance. Uh, you know, they are happy to work with corporates. We see a number of private partnerships, uh, private-public partnerships that we've signed where we are literally just going to law enforcement and say, listen, guys, we had to help. Uh, South Africa has a, a big crime problem. And if we don't get together as, again, a community with common interest and offer assistance to law enforcement, then we're not going to have these type of successes. Something that I've found, I don't know whether I would say scary or frightening considering it's South Africa and things can't get more bizarre than what, we, what we've seen in crime. But this, to me, stands out as somewhat more bizarre, if not downright scary, is the, is the life side of things. And I see that your investigators and investigators associated with the ICB have had some great success in respect of guilty verdicts in the high court. But when I read these guilty verdicts in the different courts, they've been found guilty of murder. Tell us a little bit more about these different um, guilty verdicts in the high courts and why it is that the Insurance Crime Bureau investigators have investigated people for something like murder, which we wouldn't normally associate with insurance. Again, Chad, you know, so if you look at South Africa's stats, we are over 20,000 murders per year. And especially in some of the more rural areas, those murders are happening for financial reasons. You know, people being killed for financial benefits. It happens everywhere in the world. It's, it's not unique to South Africa. Um, and we have to really, again, work with law enforcement to point them out. And you'll see in that report the high court results that we've had. There are often syndicates where there are multiple murders attached to those syndicates. We are able to put the case together. We are able to identify it because of our overview position in the industry. And then we go to law enforcement and say, right, you know, let's work together to take again these individuals out that are, are killing people in our society. Okay, so, so I want to just break this down. You said that killing for insurance is not unique to South Africa. So we've all seen the Black Widow stories on the crime channels of a wife that takes out her husband because her and her boyfriend want to access his life insurance. But when I look at your stats, I see one accused who was on trial for seven charges of murder. Other accused had received 75 years in prison for three murders. So I'm, I'm thinking that the South African situation may be slightly different because people are actually setting out to either have certain individuals insured or creating fabricated insurance claims using the bodies of other people. Help me to just understand this. I think you've described it very well, Chad. There are a number of cases in South Africa where one accused has been involved in multiple murders. And in fact, we had a case recently where a wife had hired a hitman to take out her husband and then passed on that idea to other wives in the same sort of tea club that she had going. So it's something that we, we have to be very careful of, and, and please don't upset your wives if your listeners have, have any intentions of doing that, because it is not impossible that you are taken out for financial benefits. And that's what we're seeing, and especially in today's times, Chad, with COVID having had such a dramatic impact on the economy, people out there are desperate. Uh, they will dream up schemes to make money because they cannot find employment. And as a financial services sector, we really have to up our game to ensure 
that we are doing the best that we can to mitigate this type of risk. I think the issue of COVID is something we need to chat about, especially the frauds that have come about as a result of that. Um, we're going to take a break. We're going to play um, a little bit of a, uh, a song there that if you're a regular listener to the show, I'm sure you'll all appreciate. We always try to keep it South African and as South African as possible. When we come back, we want to chat more about how COVID has impacted on the insurance industry in South Africa. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. As I said, we're now on to a very serious topic once again, and that is the topic of crime in South Africa and the recently released report by the ICB, the Insurance Crime Bureau. Garth, I noticed that this report, which I'm encouraging our listeners to download from your social media or from your website, takes into consideration all the um, crime statistics that were reported in South Africa um, during the last period, and when you talk about murder, you talk about sexual offences, contact crimes, etc. Now, there seems to have been a slight drop in contact crimes and interpersonal crimes over the lockdown period, which was to be expected, especially with the ban on alcohol, especially with the closing of places of entertainment and people restricted to their homes. That's now changed. But more importantly, what I want to know is what did the insurance sector pick up in respect of crime during the COVID lockdown? Uh, so, Chad, I think our experience was exactly the same as what the, the, the crime stat showed, is that there was a definite lag during the lockdown period. It was very difficult to get out there and perpetrate crimes because you were immediately exposed as an individual on the street. However, as soon as we started to see lockdown restrictions being eased, the criminal activity picked up again. Uh, we saw stats released just the other day, provincial stats around Gauteng. We've seen a 5% increase in hijackings. We've seen an increase in other contact crimes. So we have to be very aware of the situation at the moment. The economic pressure is the worst it's ever been, and people are desperate for money. If you take a look at that number in our report, okay, it represented last year, but 621,000-odd contact crimes uh, that's quite a lot. Uh, that's something to be concerned about and to be very aware of that we need to work on as a country. You talk about the economic desperation caused by COVID-19 and leading to an increase in opportunistic crimes. Tell us a little bit more about opportunistic crimes and how this may have impacted and how people may have taken advantage of the situation. Sure. So an opportunistic crime is where I walk past your desk and I see your wallet lying there. If I'm inherently honest, I'll leave your wallet alone. If I'm now desperate, I'm going to take your wallet and I'm going to take whatever money I can out of your wallet in order to feed my family, feed myself. Now, that's a very simple analogy of if I'm walking down the street and I see somebody on a 20,000 rand cell phone or carrying a, a branded handbag or with jewelry on, I'm now desperate and there are soft targets out there where I can get 100 grand for a cell phone, 50 bucks for a, a handbag. And those type of opportunities are starting to increase the number of contact crimes that we are seeing. Now, it's not really to do with, with insurance. Uh, we obviously see an uh, uptick in insurance claims related to the items that are being stolen. But as a country, as a community, we have to be very aware of our circumstances, Chad. And with this economic desperation, you're getting the daily contact crimes. So, you know, stealing the cell phone, the handbag, the jewelry. Uh, we're seeing increases in home robberies. 
bearing in mind a lot of people are still at home, so it becomes a home invasion looking to steal your high-value vehicle or looking to steal jewelry, art, etc. We have to apply our minds as to how we keep ourselves safe physically. So as an investigator, we profile individuals. And something that's very interesting that's always stood out for us as an anomaly when we profile potential suspects in a case is we look at their profile in respect of cases that they've opened. And we find in a lot of instances, people have opened a lot of different theft cases, theft of motor vehicle, theft of their laptop, um, a break-in, etc. We find that those anomalies sometimes suggest that the person themselves may have committed insurance fraud. Is this on the rise? Is this a major problem in South Africa where it's consumer-related fraud? Yes and no, Chad. It's very difficult to produce industry-wide statistics. So that's exactly what we do with our artificial intelligence. We will interrogate the data that we have available, and we will see, you know, Elvis has now had a claim for a Lamborghini, a cell phone, a geezer claim, food claims. The pattern doesn't fit a normal consumer pattern. What we are seeing now, though, is an increase in individual claims. So I'm desperate, but I'm not going to claim five times this year. I might only claim once. It's more difficult to identify my one claim. You know, if, if I have had one incident of, of loss, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. So we are seeing a little bit of an uptick, but as an industry, difficult to produce individual statistics. We look more at the syndicated crimes. So when a person takes out insurance these days, one of the questions is, have you have you submitted a claim to another insurance company within the last whatever period they stipulate? And they are reliant on that person being honest. But are the insurance companies actually talking to each other through organizations such as yourself to prevent fraudsters from going from one company to another to another to another? Correct. Uh, they are definitely talking to each other, but not to each other. They are using databases and, and community databases to ensure that if you've had cover before, they can actually have a look at your claims history. And should you say, no, I haven't had a claim in 10 years, and I find out, look, you, you, know, you had a Giza claim five years ago, I would treat that a little bit differently because you, you tend to forget those type of claims. But if you had a Lamborghini or Ferrari claim last month, you didn't forget that. You eliminated it or you, you, you didn't tell us the, the full situation. So in the underwriting process, the insurers are enabled to take a look at whether or not you're telling the truth, whether you're misrepresenting or not. How do we educate consumers that when they lodge a claim, they don't overinflate? Everybody seems to think they're not going to get like for like. Everybody seems to think that the premium they've paid is more like a savings, that when the need arises, they can just make a claim, whether it's a dummy claim or not. And there seems to be this perception out there amongst the consumer that the insurance companies out to get them, which is quite a bizarre attitude to have. What do you do to educate the public and how do you show them the, the, the immense importance of having insurance and not abusing that insurance? Chad, such a broad question. I mean, you know, the, this is not a one-day game. It's a, it's a five-day test match. You have to have continual conversations with the public. You have to remind the public that it's not a savings account. Insurance companies are there to pay valid claims. 
and they are there to step in where you've had a traumatic experience, where you've had a loss, whether it's an, a vehicle accident, you know, people might have been injured, people might have been killed, whether it's a home invasion, people might have been injured, people might have been killed. So insurance companies are there to assist individuals where they've had a traumatic experience or a loss. Insurance companies are not there to be abused by criminals. And the incident that you talk about, the example that you used, you know, that padding of the claim. I think I, I cannot tell you how many times I've been to a bra and somebody said, well, you know, I've just upgraded to the last cell phone, uh, the latest cell phone, and I dropped, in inverted commas, my old, my old cell phone. No, just don't do that. Uh, it's, it's not necessary. It's abusing the community as a whole. We, we need to be fair to the consumers, and the consumers need to understand the proper usage of insurance. But it's an ongoing conversation. It's not something that we are going to solve overnight. The projects that you spoke about, um, and we mentioned earlier, but we've spoken about at length in your annual report with regards to vehicles returned to, to members of the public from pounds or members of your um, insurance grouping, as well as um, the non-insured public. It's, it's an incredible, tangible project that people can actually understand. You guys go out to identify vehicles that have been cloned or have no identification features, and it's in the hope that they can be returned to the owner or to the insurer as salvage to be unsold at a later stage by auction. What other kind of tangible projects can we look at going forward? What are the plans for the Insurance Crime Bureau come 2021 when, and, and forgive me, forgive me everybody for using this, for when the new normal returns? <laughs> you know, it's, it's such an interesting discussion about what will the new normal be. We're looking at technology, Chad. You know, so there's a lot of physical projects that we can get involved in, for example, the vehicle crime, but we are combating vehicle crime utilizing different layers of technology. Some of it is artificial intelligence type of stuff. Other is physical, physical technology that is out there on the streets really helping law enforcement to create safer cities, safer environments. So 2021 for us will be a lot more of the same. We will continue to add value where we see it is working for us. And then we are looking to deploy further technologies to expand the scope and the influence of the Insurance Crime Bureau within the financial services sector. Also looking at cyber as a, a large emerging, emerging risk. I think we all know, other than climate change, cyber is rated as the second fastest emerging risk in the world. So we're looking at how we can assist in creating cyber discussion forums, cyber education forums, uh, to really just move with that, what is the new norm going to be? I did a um, webinar with the um, Institute of Commercial Forensic Practitioners for Fraud Awareness Week last week, Friday, and we were going through international figures. And the last 2018 report from the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crimes stated that cybercrime as a technique to commit fraud and other crimes totaled per annum $1.75 trillion. It is absolutely incredible. I see other insurance companies in South Africa are now looking to mitigate the risk and are introducing products. 
Do you think they're ahead of the game in introducing um, products for consumers, or do you think that we're going to see a spike in products to protect consumers from cyber-related fraud? So I'm not an expert on cyber products in South Africa compared to the rest of the world. However, I will say that I have looked at some of the cyber products that are available in South Africa, and they are pretty sophisticated. You know, a cyber attack is not just about the breach. We've seen a number of cyber attacks in South Africa where the breach doesn't is not the only thing to do the damage. It's the anti, uh, it's the negativity that's created around the actual event. It's the brand damage. It's the damage to the image of the organisation, the credibility of the organisation. And a lot of the products that we have looked at in South Africa not only helps you with the forensic side of the attack or the IT side of the attack but it also helps you reintegrate yourself into the environment as a trusted member of society again. Very interesting, the figure that you referred to, Chad, is that that is reported. There's a lot of cyber costs that are not reported. There's a lot of breaches that are not reported. And I'm not saying within the insurance industry, but within the corporate environment, quite often people don't even know that they've been hit. And then lastly, those are just the cost of the breaches. We are spending trillions of dollars per year as a world to defend ourselves, to employ defense mechanisms, to employ people, to deploy systems and hardware and all types of gateways. So this cyber, the evolution of cyber is incredibly costly, but so very important to, to focus on. Garth de Klerk, the Chief Executive Officer of the Insurance Crime Bureau. Thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners, if you are not a part of the mailing list, this is one of the most interesting reports that you need to read. It's available on all the social media sites of the Insurance Crime Bureau. Just look for SAICB or go to their website. Garth, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks very much, Chad, and you have yourself a great afternoon. And before I leave you, what's the weather like down in Durban today? Uh, it's a bit muggy, but, you know, it's better. It's better than staring at a wall in Joburg. Yeah, well, true. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And um, we thank you for your for your efforts, especially the, 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 the colleagues that you have at the Insurance Crime Bureau. Thank you very much, Chad, and uh, to yourselves as well. I know that you, you personally do some awesome work in the industry. It's a community. Thanks very much. That was Garth de Klerk, the CEO of the Insurance Crime Bureau, chatting to us about the latest report by the Insurance Crime Bureau, which is available at the SAICB social media network, as well as on their website.